There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket Bats. Quality bat makers since 1919. Yeah, not, you don't have to say bats. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show back on the air this week, in spite of genuinely demoralising popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And joining me in real life for the first time in a very long time, it's Tony Kerr. Hey, remarkable. When was the last time we did this? You're the boffin, you've looked back. Or in real life. Uh, sometime in February or beginning of March, That's I guess it must have been. I mean, I, you know, I say in real life, of course, we've been podcasting together a lot in my dreams, Tony. <laughs> um, but then I wake up and it's and it's dashed. Although in my when we podcast in my dreams, you're a lot funnier and you've actually done some preparation. Right, yeah. In your dreams, mate. In your dreams. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm sort of picturing you. It's like a Disney cartoon and you're sort of grasping it and I just vanishing in a puff of smoke. Yeah. Tony, come back. <laughs> I want to know what you think about Rory Burns. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the last few times we've caught up like this, uh, yeah, I was sat in a, yeah, amongst some boxer shorts and bras in the, uh, in the room down the hall. Uh, yeah, dialing into you remotely. Talking to me on Zoom. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's good not to be stuck in cyberspace anymore, but to be back together in person in your flat, sat around the kitchen table. You've, you've, you've set the mood with some... Uh, some kind of dim lighting, some mood lighting. Yeah, well, it's probably worth saying. Uh, regular listeners are aware that we, you know, we we are based in in Guernsey for tax purposes, um, and lockdown has been uh, pretty much entirely lifted here in Guernsey. Uh, down to we don't even have to do social distancing anymore because, yeah, the the virus has has been effectively eliminated here. What is it, sixty plus days without a, a new case? So yes, we are. We have been incredibly fortunate here so far, at least. With yeah, we're actually hugging right now. <laughs> yeah. Just doing the intro, locked arm in arm. That's not what happened in my dreams. <laughs> um, but but I'll grin and bear it. Uh, but no, yeah, it's we've just been really lucky here. There was a pretty amazing response from the public health team here and the and the local government. And Guernsey's actually been in the national media quite a bit, hasn't it? For for how well it's been handled here it's getting to the point where i almost feel bad like i i I actually feel a bit guilty like talking to my friends and family in the uk because as i said we don't even have to do social distancing now like everything all shops all restaurants everything's open it's back to normal here we're just not allowed on or off the island without quarantining yeah which to some people is worse probably (laughs) than if there were all those things but um yeah exactly it's well it's been two and a bit weeks since we got rid of all of restrictions. Um, 
and yeah, and, and about a month since kind of most, at least most of the restrictions have, have been lifted. And um, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about some cricket in a bit, but cricket's been played here now, yeah, for for a month. Well, yeah, which means you're a busy man again, Tone, doesn't it? Your local sport is back on, so no more dossing around on the sofa, which I know is what you were doing all through lockdown. Um, you're you're back out on the road uh, covering local sport, and actually, well, back out on the lanes. Actually, uh, you've roped me into. Uh, to, to being involved in some of this cricket action at some point. Yeah, well, weather permitting, cause it, you know, as is to be expected, um, the start of actual cricket, competitive league cricket in Guernsey has been met with a few days of rain. So it was supposed to be the first night, last night of kind of yeah, proper first division club cricket in Guernsey, got rained off. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's games throughout, well, pretty much every night this week and then for the next eight weeks they've got the, the the sort of premier t20 competition here and there's a double header on saturday which is going to be live streamed yeah and we're, we're going to be polluting the airwaves with uh yeah with our dulcet tones with commentary so look out for that well you said because as you say it was what a month or so ago that most restrictions were lifted so that was when the first cricket happened here in like exhibition game and that was live streamed and that actually had a really quite big audience didn't it well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it got, uh, I think, over 100,000 views on the day. I filmed a bit and edited a little montage, which did quite well online, attracted some some big names. Bayfield retweeted. Bayfield retweeted it. Stuart Broad, yeah. if you've heard of him. A couple Mike, of others. Michael so, Vaughan. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that clearly, there was a, yeah, there's obviously been a real, well, I guess a whole kind of smorgasbord of emotions in the cricketing world, haven't there? But, um yeah, that that's certainly you know it was it was an absolutely perfect sort of spring summer day, glorious setting, some good cricket on show, an, an amazing catch which kind of lit it up, and uh, uh, Paul Collingwood described as catch of the century, which was yeah a, a ringing endorsement. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, since then they've been playing friendlies, and now now club stuff is back, and obviously that's in like stark contrast to England, where you know the re- the frustration really has kind of bubbling over, isn't it, in terms of kind of why club cricket recreational cricket isn't being allowed yeah it does seem odd doesn't it and um, Boris Johnson was actually asked about it and said well the problem in cricket is the the ball um, the ball could be a vector for the virus but like other ball sports they don't seem to be concerned about tennis balls but anyway um, discussion for (laughs) another program perhaps but uh, getting into UK government situation but yeah so well it just shows as you say there was over a hundred thousand views on that live stream it showed that certainly at the time there was such an appetite for watching any live cricket at all um obviously slightly different now because as we're about to talk about international cricket is coming back so this game on saturday might not have quite as many views on the live stream and i just want to say that now <laughs> it's it won't be anything to do with our commentary if the the views are somewhat down on that yeah exactly i'll be sort of watching the live you know the live sort of readout of of kind of live viewers and sort of <laughs> as you open your mouth and start talking the viewers kind of go up another take over with some witty banter and the yeah the numbers sort of dwindling yeah yeah it's like a kind of be monitoring s- that stock market crash <laughs> of, uh, of views as uh, as we come on yeah exactly um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that if, if the weather holds out, but yes, uh, we are in an incredibly fortunate situation here in Guernsey at the moment. And uh, yeah, I very much hope that everyone listening to this, wherever you might be in the world, uh, might be in a, a, a more difficult place than we are here, but very much hope that you're safe and well, and have been holding up. Okay. In lockdown, the good news is that as we say, cricket, international cricket is almost 
back. The test series between England and West Indies gets underway in Southampton on Wednesday the 8th of July. We're recording this on Wednesday the 1st of July. By the time you're hearing it, it's probably 11.55pm on Tuesday the 7th of July (laughs) by the time I found time to edit it. But um, yes, it it gets going next week and we're going to talk about that today, do a, a full preview of the series. And it's going to be nice to talk sort of normally about cricket to just do essentially a a normal podcast about a test series but we are not quite finished with the nostalgia dive that we were uh, wallowing in uh, during lockdown we were talking about uh, great teams and great test series from the past we talked about ashes 2005 um, india australia in 2001 and last time we talked about fire in babylon and the great west indies team of the 1970s 80s and early 90s uh, well, today uh, we are going to compare, as promised, we are going to compare uh, those two great teams, the great West Indies team of that era and the great Australia team of the the 90s and the noughties. And yes, as I uh, as I teased last time, I've uh, drawn up a composite 11, which I know you're very excited about, Tone. Big time. <laughs> Big time. You hesitate. I've, got, I've kind of, yeah, like the, the whole sort of nostalgia wave of lockdown. Um it's kind of subsided somewhat. Um, so it'd be good to dig back in, dive back in. Yeah. Well, now, now that everyone's kind of got bored of that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, let's, uh, let's get back into it. But let's start, as I say, uh, with this series between England and the West Indies. So Test Cricket, International Cricket returning, as I say, on, uh, on Wednesday, 8th of July at the Rose Bowl. The series is actually going to play, be played entirely in Southampton and at Old Trafford. So the first test is in Southampton. Test two and three are at Old Trafford. And that is because both of those grounds have hotels on site. Um, so the players can sort of um, bubble at the ground uh, for the duration of their stay. The West Indies squad uh, has been in the country since the 8th of June. Uh, so that's more than three weeks now. And they have been in that, uh, what is described as a biosecure bubble at the Old Trafford Hotel, I think they're at. They came without Darren Bravo and without Shimron Hetmeyer, two of their big guns in the batting. And um, they, they, along with Kimo Paul, chose not to travel to England because of the pandemic and the, and the situation in the UK. Um, the England squad have been bubbling for some time now too. And it's, it's a big squad. Is it 30 players, I think? And they've been uh, they've been playing a... Uh, an intra-squad warm-up game uh, which started today as we're recording this so we we might get into that they'll they'll be without Joe Root for the first test he's left the bubble to attend the birth of his child Uh, and obviously things being as they are uh, players can't just come and go Um, you know they, they need to isolate for a while before they can come back in so that means that he will miss out on the first test and Ben Stokes will captain the side in his stead. Uh, so that's a, an interesting subplot that we might get into. But yeah, we will kind of uh, unpack a lot of this, get into some analysis of of how we might expect the series to play out on the field. But let me just start, Tone, in, uh, in very very general, very broad brush terms, just by asking you, and it's a good question, this, how are you feeling about this series? Cricket's back. How excited are you? You can give this to me in a word, uh, on a scale yeah. of one to ten, Whatever you prefer. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. It, if the it, word is yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How excited are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Well, like quite. Quite. I don't know. That'll do. Um, it's 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 actually really hard to say. I like and and possibly because I think 
as we say, like been sort of slightly spoilt in Guernsey in the over the last yeah three weeks or so, kind of works kind of returned to normal and like, and like not life has returned to normal. So th- th- there, I probably haven't got quite the same clamour for that kind of crumb of normality that perhaps maybe some people in England will be feeling. And 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 you know, th- that's not to say I'm not obviously looking forward to seeing some cricket and and stuff. But do you know what I mean? It's like mm. um, certainly. And I know the Premier League football uh, has restarted, obviously, and we, we, yeah, that that uh, maybe I don't know. To me, being a, a slightly, it's been a mixed success. But yeah, for for cricket fans over there, obviously, the fact there's been sort of very little to to hang on to. Um, yeah, it's kind of like it's probably the perfect tonic for for lockdown, isn't it? You raise the football. There's kind of interesting comparison with that the Premier League restart because I. I, I worried that it would happen like for me and I think it it did although my feelings have been beginning to change a bit now but I was so excited about the Premier League coming back it felt like it was going to be like the World Cup the game on every or one or two games on every day uh, all on TV um, but I did worry that you know that that, that might be setting quite a high uh, <laughs> quite a high bar quite yeah, high expectation would you compare it to kind of World Cup 2018 and the summer of love yeah, and all of that. Exactly. Yeah, it was never going to be that, and it isn't. And those games do feel quite flat a lot of the time. But then, on the other hand, I think well, I'm starting to get used to it uh, now. You're getting used to the fact that there's no crowd there, um, and it's starting to feel a bit more normal. But there is a risk, you know, maybe for cricket fans who haven't been paying attention to the football or. Or, or anyway, that are just kind of expecting it to be like a normal test match. And it just isn't going to be that. We know when we've watched England or anyone play Pakistan in the UAE and there's no one in the stadium, it's a weird atmosphere and it does take an edge off. It does, it does, it definitely loses something quite substantial and it's going to be like that. Um, and you just wonder if, you know, what that, what effect that's going to have on the viewing experience. And I, I think there is a, a real risk that this could be quite flat. And the other thing added on, you know, even more than you'd get in those games in the UAE is that, you know, I have no idea what the quality is going to be like. And the it, the quality might not be that high. They're, these players have obviously been training a lot and that that's kind of all they're doing at the moment, isn't it? Is they're bubbling and training, but they've not played competitive cricket for a long time now. So yes, I'm, I'm, I am really excited about it, but I think everyone might just need to sort of temper their expectations in terms of what we're going to see on the field. And if they do that, then I'm sure it will still be very enjoyable. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree with that. I mean, I guess the comparison, the football comparison with it, you know, sort of expecting a, a kind of a kind of carnival World Cup sort of feel of yeah, games every day. I, I suppose with the football, the fact that the the title was decided relatively early mm. in the in the piece. The fact that for quite a few teams, there's, there's, they're either diabolical or there's not much to play for. Um, although I guess there is still quite a lot to play for. So it, it might kind of come back. Or I don't know, it might peak again. Uh, I don't know if its peak is right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the current climate. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, you know what I mean? The, the fact that there, there are maybe some dead rubbers in there, whereas at least with a standalone test series, it, you know, it's, it, it stands alone. So, you know... Mm. Uh, for the players there is something to play for or there will be something to play for in at least the first two matches um, no that's a really good point and I, and, I th- and I think because of the fact that you know we've seen those games in the UAE I think UAE I think cricket is you know is 
has some experience at this is perhaps more accustomed to that kind of feeling than football um and is arguably better suited to it as well like football is you know it's much more of a kind of fast-paced game that that where people are kind of drawn out of their seats which happens in cricket but happens much more infrequently doesn't it you do get a lot of you know batsmen leaving the ball where, where people in the crowd are just kind of chatting and reading the paper um so in that sense if, I don't. I don't actually know. Are they going to pipe in any crowd noise? But if if they do do that, and there's just a kind of low murmur like you'd get at Lords, that seems much more appropriate in cricket than it does in football. Yeah, I hope. I, I, yeah, I don't think they are. I don't no. know. I hope they don't. I, I, yeah, I haven't particularly enjoyed the piped in stuff at the football. You know, again, we've been lucky enough to. Well, I've been lucky enough to watch a couple of the games, or or unlucky enough, depending on <laughs> games you're talking about, and to watch a couple of the games in the pub here. And it actually works quite well there. There's like, you know, when you've got sort of TVs in pubs that are turned up a bit too loud and the, the commentary kind of gets a bit distorted. Plus you've got chitter chatter and, and, and what, whatnot. It kind of sort of blends in fairly well. But when you watch it at home, I found that, yeah, it, it's a bit jarring and a bit just a bit off-putting. Yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. I, I, I take that point, but I, I've, I do quite like it because... A lot of the time when I'm watching football, I just sort of have it on in the background when I'm doing something. It might be, say, doing some preparation for a podcast um, or cooking or do you know what I mean? So without the crowd noise, it feels weird. But, and, but my brain my brain kind of expects there to be crowd noise then. But I, I, I know what you mean that then when you are actually focusing on it and someone takes a shot and there's a kind of weird sound that you don't expect... Or there's no, or there isn't a reaction. Yeah, well, it's, that like you'd a, expect. it's like a, oh, <clears throat> yeah, like quite a long time after it's gone past the. Um, then I agree, it, it is a bit jarring. Um, I, I, I don't want to sound negative about this because I think it's brilliant that it's happening. Obviously, last time we spoke, I was quite doubtful about whether it was actually going to happen. I think the measures they've put in place do seem very well thought out, uh, very rigorous, and it's really impressive that they've managed to to get to this point. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but I sort of this is a sort of public service announcement that people should just just keep their expectations at a manageable level because I definitely did feel that what you know I was so excited for the Premier League restart and then I sat down to watch Aston Villa Sheffield United and about ten minutes in I was like I wonder what else is on you know <laughs> yeah. so um, there's going to be a lot to enjoy about it you know as you say it won't have the same you know it won't have the same feel obviously at all and, and the things that people associate their sort of love of the sort of British summer and cricket and stuff just obviously clearly won't be there. But equally, just to have the sort of chat about team selections and, and players are in form and not, not in form and stuff, it, it's a nice distraction from the what's been cancelled mm. that we had for about two months. Yes. Um, so in that way, the, the sort of wider build-up to it as well is kind of, it plays a part in maybe, you know, what the purpose it serves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think last time you were slightly dubious about about the role that that sport might play in kind of national morale and what well, international morale and all that kind of thing, but I do think it's important. Yeah, even just down to it, it is a kind of escapist thing for people, both watching it, but also just like thinking about it and talking about it and thinking and talking about transfer rumours in football or thinking and talking about Ben Stokes' captaincy. It's just it's nice to think about something like that rather than just you know obsessing over the 
terrible news that's been happening. So yeah, so I'm you know I'm I'm really glad that it's back, and I'm really looking forward to watching it. And in an alternate universe where this pandemic had never happened, um, I would have been expecting a really good series here. Um, it was terrific fun in the Caribbean last year. West Indies won that series, of course, and they uh, they also pulled off that. Uh, remarkable victory at Headingley last time they were in England back in 2017. You know, that that game has arguably been sort of uh, surpassed or overshadowed by what happened at Headingley two years later. But that that was one of the best test matches of the last, I don't know, decade or so. And it was a brilliant win, although they they did lose the series. Um, But actually, yeah, the the sort of the, the perception is, or certainly the narrative for years um until the last few years was that west indies were were completely outmatched by england but actually that's not really the case anymore the the last few series between these teams have been really close it's been very little to separate them and in fact i think the last three series so that's in the caribbean last year in england in 2017 and then in the caribbean in 2015 um they've played nine tests and the score is four all I, I do think this is a really good young West Indies team. It feels like a sort of up-and-coming team, doesn't it, with several very exciting young players, whereas England have been pretty underwhelming in Test cricket over the last few years. So, you know, you would, in normal circumstances, you would have felt that this was a great opportunity for the West Indies, uh, or it could have been a great opportunity. But, you know, obviously there's home advantage, which is often decisive, but we don't know what effect the you know what that's going to be like now whether you know with no crowd and stuff like that but conditions are obviously to England's favor and then England won in South Africa over the winter and were very impressive in doing that and things finally seem to be looking up so I don't know there's 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 all the ingredients there of an excellent series but then obviously they're coming into this in a really weird set of circumstances and but to be honest I have absolutely no idea how it's going to play out like it's just really hard to know do you do you have any sense of of what to expect not yeah not really i I, and i guess yeah particularly for the west indies clearly the whole build-up and the decision making that they'll have had to go through individually and collectively yeah it must have been a proper dilemma really because yeah they've obviously come a long way in in and and had to come to a decision at a very difficult time you know maybe that maybe now they've kind of got to the venue and they're in the bubble, and um, and presumably, you know, clearly it's it's a very unnatural environment. But at least they're that that's all kind of behind them. That maybe they'll they'll sort of have the sort of pressure off and the and the freedom, and you know, can enjoy the cricket. And whereas, I guess for England as well, that's maybe a bit more recent that they've had to. That, you know, there's still the uncertainty about who's going to play and and what you know whatnot in that that larger squad. That maybe there's a bit more uncertainty there that that they'll come in. Possibly with a with a yeah a bit more undercooked, maybe undercooked's not the right word, but maybe maybe England will be a, a bit less settled mm. um, than the West Indies who who've now kind of yeah got all the, got all the sort of fuss if you like behind them. Although there are still bits and pieces floating around, aren't there? You know, um, Phil Simmons and uh, and stuff. But yeah, yeah, we might talk about that. Well, yeah, um, but yeah, that, anyway, that was yeah, my point. Well, and and also uh, I think as you were alluding to there, like just mentally, it probably feels different that they have actually can't you know gone away they have gone on a plane and flown across the Atlantic whereas the England players are at home but they're not at home and uh, as you say there are 30 of them most of whom aren't going to play 
Um, so it just probably feels a bit different to the West Indies players maybe have that bit more focus. But um, there's a good video actually on on Crick Info uh, of Keon Harding, one of the West Indies squad players, a, a day in the life um, of that training camp in the, in the bubble. And it's really interesting. I mean, yeah, it's what you'd expect. He's he's uh, he's doing his training. He's training out on the pitch and he's doing some nets and he's getting a massage. Then he's having dinner and then he's playing table tennis and playing FIFA and then going to bed. And I thought, it actually looks, <laughs> looks quite fun. Um, but yeah, possibly the, the relentlessness of it. I know Phil Simmons was saying, you know, boredom is one of the issues that they are facing. So yeah, as I say, it's just really difficult to know what to expect. I mean, you know, just trying to think of it from a sort of, uh, from a cricketing angle, like in, in that series in the Caribbean last year, a huge part of the West Indies success was their pace bowlers, um, particularly Kemar Roach and Shannon Gabriel. Um, I'm sure you'll remember saying that they uh, they skittled England out for 77 in Barbados in that series. Now, Gabriel's on the tour, but only as a reserve because he's coming back from injury. Um, Jason Holder is obviously a, a key part of that bowling attack as well. He's struggling a bit with ankle, an ankle problem too. But Roach is still there and so is Alzari Joseph, who I thought was very impressive last year. And there's some real depth in their fast bowling now uh, with O'Shane Thomas potentially in line to make a test debut. I saw that Andy Roberts is saying that he ought to be the first name on the team sheet, saying that O'Shane Thomas ought to be the first name (laughs) on the team sheet for this series, which I think is really interesting. So their bowling is quite exciting. Conversely, I think that there are concerns about the batting. That would be where my, my worry would be. I mentioned that there's no Darren Bravo and no Shimron Hetmeyer, and they're clearly two of their, their key batsmen. And so there's not a huge amount of experience in that lineup. And the players with experience uh, have struggled a bit for form of late. Craig Brathwaite is averaging 25 in his last 20 tests, which goes back to that Headingley test where he obviously um, made that kind of heroic contribution was he scored a century and a 90 in that game. Um, So he's not in great form, but you feel he's going to have to step it up because West Indies are going to be hugely reliant on him uh, and on Shea Hope, you'd think, who was the other Headingley hero and I know yeah you're I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to watching him but I know he's one of your favorite cricketers and he one of your favorite players to watch I was just looking at is, is O'Shane Thomas is he in the squad well he's in he's in the, he's in the reserve he's in the reserves yeah he's in England so I was just live fact checking you there <laughs> <laughs> it's good if only if only we can have that sort of thing in the house of commons time um yeah so anyway go back to where you well I was rewind saying, 10 seconds what? okay okay <laughs> Uh, you'll feel he'll have to step it up because West Indies are going to be hugely reliant on him and Shea Hope. I know he, Shea Hope is one of your favourite cricketers, Tone. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't, think <laughs> right. I've ever, I've ever taught, I don't think I've ever really extolled yeah, you have. virtues of Shea Hope. In, uh, you'll remember, Tone, that we went to Barbados last year, we went to the Caribbean last year. For How many beers series? <laughs> you, you wouldn't stop. Shea who? You would not stop banging on about Shea Hope. Yeah, no, it is very good. Yeah, I don't know what I can add. Oh, no, fair enough. Um, It's uh, good to see you've done some preparation, (laughs) um, just as you do in my dreams. Um, No, well, anyway, the the point I'm making is I think it is a, you know, there's inexperience there, but it's a very decent squad and it's an exciting one too. I'm I'm quite excited to watch some of those fast bowlers in action. As I say, you wonder what kind of level they're going to be at, having had very little well having really had no competitive cricket for for months but then the same goes for England doesn't it so who who knows essentially yeah and it's been quite interesting uh, obviously and 
unusual to have these behind closed doors or certainly the, the obviously the match today that started today the warm-up the team butler versus team stokes warm-up was was uh, broadcast but um yeah the the holder versus brathwaite match in the west indies camp um yeah it's hard to know how much you can read into those uh yeah how hard each you know, bat, you know bowlers would have been going at batsmen and vice versa um but 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 quite interesting just to mention what's happening with phil simmons so he uh is the west indies coach obviously and he was um Face, he's facing calls uh, to go from the president of the Barbados Cricket Association um, because, uh, so Phil Simmons left the West Indies camp, left the bubble uh, to attend the funeral of his father-in-law uh, and he has come back and is uh, self-isolating for seven days, I think, um, before returning to the rest of the, the bubble. Uh, and yeah, the president of the Barbados Cricket Association uh, has said, I just heard on the radio that our head coach, Mr. Phil Simmons, attended a funeral recently and is now being quarantined as a result. If this is true, I'm calling for his immediate removal as head coach. I'm being bar- bombarded by concerned parents and members of the BCA, the Barbados Cricket Association. This behaviour is inconsiderate and reckless. It endangers the lives of those 25 young men in the UK. And in fact, the entire management team and cannot be tolerated. Yeah, so I mean, we, we can talk about this story, but just something that struck me there is that... Um, yeah, just him saying I'm, I'm being bombarded by concerned parents. I mean, what, I presume what he's talking about there is the parents of the players. Yeah, just this whole kind of situation do, just does bring it home to you. You know, these are just young men. A lot, you know, a lot of them are like 22, 23. And yeah, just the thought of like their parents being genuinely concerned for their safety on a cricket tour, that the world just feels very strange and not right at the moment. Yeah, you know, we've we've said it kind of repeatedly over the last few weeks. It's so hard to know whether the situation is improving, deteriorating, you know, quickly or not. Whatever. Like, I I personally feel pretty lost in terms of you know, assessing the general picture. To me, it seems like that th- partly influenced by our situation here, but maybe in the way things are moving elsewhere, that that things are moving in the right direction. But then is it just you know is it just a, a kind of an outcome of that that sort of pressure to return to normality that perhaps it may be pressure that's bringing it forward beyond when it you know when it mm-hmm. really should do i don't know i don't know the answer no i know what you mean i mean the the phil simmons thing it we're not necessarily sort of qualified to talk about it from a kind of uh public health perspective but it it does seem a bit unfair to criticize him for that because he he's he's followed the protocols that were set down and he's doing the same thing that Joe Root is doing in leaving the bubble and then coming back and self-isolating. Yeah, it does seem slightly odd in a way, but it just kind of goes to show that everything's very fraught at the moment and understandably so. Uh, and, and as you say, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty about what the right thing to do is. And is it even the right thing to be playing this series? I mean, it's a totally different situation, but we saw what happened uh, with the Adria tour in tennis. And yeah, if, yeah. And where some of the players um, tested positive. I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd hope that, that, yeah, the, the sort of the high profile names associated with this aren't helping to share the sort of rather questionable stuff that Djokovic has been over the last few weeks. You mean like the Instagram yeah. lives and stuff? Yes. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a totally different situation because that tour was kind of recklessly irresponsible in terms of 
you know, in terms of not doing social distancing, in terms of, you know, players kind of hugging and partying in nightclubs and stuff. I mean, that's, that's not what's happening here at all. But yeah, there is a question about is is it even the right thing to have, you know, to have asked, to have brought these players over from the Caribbean where there's not a lot of coronavirus at the moment into England where there is a lot of coronavirus at the moment. And yeah, so it it's just difficult, isn't it? It's a very difficult, um, uh, what's the word? Difficult thread needle to thread is that the word no i don't know you know what i'm trying to say yeah it's definitely not needle to thread that wasn't what i was searching for <laughs> um well anyway going back to uh to the cricket then so we've talked about west indies perhaps we can turn to england now so if you if you cast your mind back to january tone when the world felt very different it's actually unbelievable that that was this year england's tour of south africa we were after that we were we were juiced weren't we tone after after that win in South Africa, it felt like there were reasons to be much more optimistic about the England Test team than we have been for a long time. You had young batsmen coming in like Don Sibley, Ollie Pope, scoring runs and and, and scoring them in a kind of encouragingly uh, unflashy way as well. And then you had Mark Wood uh, bowling lightning fast and, and suddenly there seemed to be some real depth in the quick bowling. Um, so that was quite a, an exciting moment. I have no idea what to expect from them this summer. In in a way, it's real. It's a real shame. It's not the the only or biggest shame uh, that's come as a result of the pandemic. But it is a shame that perhaps some of that momentum may have been derailed. But who knows? They, maybe not. As I say, I just really don't know what to expect. But it's gonna, certainly going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how they go. And first of all, it'll be interesting to see what team they pick. Here's a question: What? seam attack do you expect England to line up with for the first time in a very long time it feels like they're spoiled for choice it's quite hard to work out who they should or who they're going to pick just to come back to what you said before I think I think it's almost like context is almost on pause isn't it at the moment it's it's in a way in terms of cricketing terms this is almost a bit of a free pass isn't it it's like you you can have a look at a couple you know I don't know if you want to have a look at a couple more players but as you say the fact that Obviously, Joe Root's going to miss um, miss this test. There's a lot up in the air again. Um, yeah, uh, well, yeah, free pass is probably right, isn't it? There's there's not going to be as much pressure or scrutiny necessarily because everyone's just pleased to have cricket back, and everyone understands that there's kind of extenuating circumstances. You know, yeah. Even I'm not going to be laying into Keaton Jennings if he plays. That's it. I think if, he, if either team gets kind of rolled over, at, you know, at any stage or or whatever. Um, I don't know you'd kind of hope but just to go back to the football it hasn't stopped you know the criticism of say if you're an Arsenal fan you know getting absolutely savage yeah or Roy Keane if, uh, so we'll see yeah Maguire oh. <laughs> so we'll see uh, <laughs> threatening to punch people in, yeah. the, in the face yeah we'll see we'll see what you're saying after the next um, yeah when we when we reconvene in a week's time yeah. or a couple of weeks time Jennings get him out yeah uh, <laughs> just imagining Bob Willis Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> if only he were here. I mean, I mean, obviously the fact that, that Anderson's back for the first time, that's that's a, a sight for sore eyes. Anderson rolling back into action after a, quite a long time out. Yeah, although, d- does he actually get in the team now? I mean, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. But there, there's actually a question now in a way that there hasn't been you know, for, for a decade because... Yeah, as I mentioned, there just feels like there's real depth there. Yeah, you've obviously got Stuart Broad, and he bowled really well in South Africa too. 
surely you can't leave Mark Wood out at, that, at this point. But then if you if you play Anderson Wood and Broad, that means you have to leave out Joffrey Archer. And that's before we even mention Chris Wokes. So you know what's the what's the what's the pick? Uh, yeah, I think I think Anderson, if he's fit, has to play. He'll take a bag of wickets, and I think you know, given the the stage he's at in his career, I think it maybe be slightly harsh to deny him. You know, another couple of games. Although well, I suppose it's harsh to deny anyone an England cap, isn't it? Mm. But um, so you're going Anderson. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about three slots here. Maybe they won't play a spinner. Maybe they'll bat Moe up the order and play four seamers plus Stokes. But I'm assuming that they're going to go three seamers plus Stokes. So you've got Anderson as one of them. Broad? But I mean, if Wood is fit and firing in the extreme, and, you know, we'll see, uh, clearly, you know, he, he was not bowling today, but we'll see him hopefully over the next couple of days. Um, I think for the sheer excitement factor of, of Wood bowling, he'd be the one I'd like to see. And obviously he did a lot of damage in the West Indies. So you're going Anderson Wood. So that makes it a shootout between Broad and Archer. But so I would put that, yeah, I would go Anderson Wood, Archer. <sighs> Leaving out Stuart. He retweeted you. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> but it's really, it's kicking it back in his face, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. You're asking me hard questions. Ungrateful. Here. What are you going well, for? This is what you get paid the big bucks for. Well, time. exactly. So he finally started earning that six-figure salary. Craig Overton bagged two today. He did actually. You ruling him out immediately? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it was quite. I thought it was quite harsh. That 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 are they playing 27 players uh, in this game? There's 27 players playing across the two teams. And there's 30 in the squad. Joe Root's one of them. They've left two players out. <laughs> Amar Verdi. And I think Jamie Overton is the other one. Uh, no, I think he bowled today. Or did he bowl today? Yeah. Um, it's a good, good quiz question. Well, anyway, they, they've left two players out, which is which is pretty brutal, isn't it? So, yeah, I think I'm probably, I would probably go Anderson Broadwood. Um, but that seems insane to leave out Archer after the summer he had last year. So I genuinely don't know. And while I agree with you that... Um, you know, well, Anderson will play and should play. And I agree with you that given the stage he's at in his career, it would seem harsh to leave him out. It also, it also feels like, well, you may as well kind of wring every last drop out of him before he retires, which will presumably be within the next couple of years. But on the other hand, you could say, well, is, does it make more sense to bring those younger guys in? I mean, not that Wood or Broad, well, certainly not Broad, Woods 30 as well, isn't he? Bring that young whippersnapper broad in. But do you know what I mean? Like, if if actually there are players now who can step in, would it make sense to be like, well, thanks very much, Jimmy. Um, thanks, for, thanks for your service. I mean, yeah. Bit harsh, probably. Uh, yeah, I'm not also actually if, advocating if it, that. Also, but. if he play, or yeah, if he chooses to retire at the end of this series behind closed doors, yeah, it would seem... Uh, I would like think the antithesis of Cook's retirement. <laughs> I would think he's probably aiming for the Ashes next year. It's it's tough. It's it's probably between Wood and Archer, isn't it? And they they both perform a similar kind of role. And um, so I guess it will come down to who's who's bowling better in the nets. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting and it's encouraging for England that they you know it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? In terms of the spinner, I imagine they'll bring Moeen straight back in. So you can probably imagine how I feel about that. So I won't won't get into it. Uh, and in the batting, um, I think they will go Burns and Sibley at the top and then Zach Crawley at three. Obviously, Sibley and Crawley open in South Africa after Burns uh, was injured 
I'm sure Burns will come back. So I think that'll be the top three. I imagine it'll be Stokes at five, Pope at six, and Butler, the wicketkeeper at seven, which is another quite questionable selection. But given that he, you know, is captain of one of these two teams, I think they've even said he's going to be vice captain. So I'm sure he will play. I mean, still, I'd, I would have folks, but I'm sure it'll be Butler. So that just leaves the number four position. And that's quite interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's open in the absence of Root. I'd love to see Dan Lawrence get an opportunity to get a 50 today. And he scored yeah, all those. Yeah, he made, a, made a, a quite swift 50. And he scored all those runs for the Lions in Australia. I'd, I'd really be excited to see uh, to, uh, him get a, an England debut. But I imagine what they'll probably do is pick Johnny Besto. <laughs> I'm pretty convinced that's what they're going to do. But but it would be exciting to see Lawrence play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's obviously still very young and, and has been you know around for, has been on the radar, hasn't he, for, for quite a while. Um I mean, it's as good a time as any to give him a go. Well, he scored those runs in Australia. So if they are kind of casting their mind forward uh, 18 months to that uh, to that Ashes down under, he's proven he can score runs down there, admittedly not against the, the test attack. But it would seem strange not to give him an opportunity at some point. And the fact that Root is missing out means there is an opportunity to give him an opportunity. So I, I just, I don't think bringing Bearstow back, what are we going to learn from Bearstow coming back? You definitely could learn something from Lawrence playing this series. Yeah, quite. I mean, it, clearly it would be a very odd time and place to make your test debut, but equally probably as good a time as any to, to make it, you know, sort of relatively probably free, not, well, we'll see what, again, we'll see what you say in a couple of weeks, <laughs> but, uh, you know, relatively free from scrutiny, certainly yeah. less pressure than, you know, if you were to make your bow, you know, in front of 15, 20,000 people somewhere, but, um, are you happy with Stokes as captain, filling in for Root? Very, yeah. He's never captained a professional team. He's done it three times ever. Uh, I think I'm right in saying most recently in 2008 when he captained Durham Academy. <laughs> Durham under 13. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess the big thing that he's got going for him is that he's pretty much the only choice. Well, yeah. Potentially Butler, but again, you know, Butler's probably more of a natural captain, but... But yeah, as I say, arguably shouldn't be in the team. Certainly not guaranteed of his place. Stokes is guaranteed. Kind of picks himself. He fits, then, yeah, captain. he fits the. Well, he, he, you know, if we if we've, we're we're so far down the rabbit hole of making your best player the captain, that it's yeah, it's, it's sort of like that's it's just who else, isn't it? Yeah. At this point, I mean, I'm not really keen on all rounders being captain. Uh, we obviously saw it with Flintoff. Flint with Flintoff that he just bowled himself all the time and. You know, the all-rounder is someone, generally someone that the, the captain has a sort of special relationship with and you know, has to sort of look after and and manage their workload. And, and it's quite difficult for them to do that themselves and that they end up, you know, overusing themselves and uh, certainly with the ball. And I, I could see that happening. So, But I, I don't think they see him as a long-term, like, replacement for Rui. I think he is just a standard. Yeah, special but, circumstances. But it does, you know, it does maybe underline... That there is, there's potentially a problem for for England going forward, and, and possibly you know for international teams more widely, because now that players are centrally contracted, you know the the best players are not playing much county cricket in their careers, and therefore they're not getting much opportunity to captain their county team. So like Joe Root had virtually no experience at all when he was made Test captain. Alistair Cook had not much more, and you think, well, who's the next England Test captain going to be? I don't know if they're thinking about Ollie Pope or. Dom Sibley or someone like that, if they actually nail down their test spots now, they're not going to be playing first class cricket, they're not going to be playing county cricket, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to gain any experience of captaining 
at first class level. So they'll have to learn on the job. They're always going to have to learn on the job as a test captain, which didn't used to be the case in the past. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, a thought that perhaps the quality of captaincy in test cricket might suffer in the future and might already be suffering arguably. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I guess the flip side to that is cheers. that there's probably a cheers, well done, mate. <laughs> At last. <Yeah. laughs> um, the flip side, we should have the, the like the fighting talk kind of like yeah. soundboard. ka <laughs> I mean, it'd be very much ripping off <laughs> the shtick. Um, Sorry, go on. Uh, I guess the flip side, though, to that is there's probably never been, uh, I'll say an easier time to be captain, that's not the right expression, but there's never been more stats advice backroom staff you know, you know knowledge of the game on paper or on spreadsheets or whatever so in that sense you know it, you know maybe we'll see what well, it's hard to know it'll be hard to judge on this this game obviously it's such a special circumstance you know how stokes as a captain will respond to the big moments where it's on instinct or on emotion or the the opposite of that where you're trying to yeah kind of suppress those things but yeah for for him you know or for for many players you know, even me and you p- could probably, if we were well briefed enough by the backroom staff, go out and sort of captain on autopilot. Even me and you. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm happy to offer my services yeah. on retainer um, to, you know, future England test captains. We've got, there's Zoom now, isn't there? You can do a Zoom call um, after every day's play. No, I think, that, oh yeah, so I'm, I'm downplaying it, but you know, you know what I mean? You know, clearly Stokes is a, a player who gets the game and is very good at all aspects of it. Um, that does make him automatically a great captain, but all the support is there. You know, the, the plans, the the preparation, all the pieces are there. He's just yeah. got to put them together. Okay. Do you want to give me a prediction for this series? Absolutely then, not. <laughs> well, you're going to have to. Well, think about it while I just take my jumper off because it's getting really warm here. <laughs> it's like to warm up. Gonna, Hang on, when you say the prediction for this series, are you, are you talking in the Butler-Stokes <laughs> one-off? Uh, no, for the test series. Three tests. <sighs> Star Trek t-shirt. Take, yeah, so just for the benefit of those at home, Adams, take off his vintage Wimbledon FC jumper to reveal a Star Trek t-shirt. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, it's the... Is it all the ships? Yeah, it's all the ships from there Star Trek, mate. I've gone a bit Star Trek crazy in lockdown. Star crazy. I've been watching like every episode of Next Generation. As good as the first time? Uh, yeah, it's just the perfect thing to watch at the moment because... It's really good. Like I think you, I'm pointing, I'm jabbing my finger now. You really underestimate how good Star Trek is, specifically Next Generation. Patrick Stewart, just the acting, unbelievable. But anyway, uh, it's really good, but it's like, and it's dramatic and it's gripping, but it's like not that intense. Like I don't want to watch, you know, Ozark at the moment. That's just not what I want. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, Elena goes to bed about, Nine o'clock, and I just watch uh, a couple of episodes of TNG. Just run a bath, <laughs> light a couple of candles. Exactly. Yeah. I think I just to yeah, we're going off point here, aren't we? But um, yeah, I think maybe just it was my first experience of the next generation because I remember it always used to be on at like six or seven or something like that, uh, or it might have been seven o'clock actually on BBC Two mm. growing up. So I'd have just watched like. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then it'll be started. so do you know what I mean not that I, I also re- I really like Fresh Prince but it, it, I, do you know what I mean I didn't really take Patrick Stewart as a sort of serious actor <laughs> seriously then yeah, it's kind of really. coloured my whole view of him in his I do career. understand what you mean I might like I might try and get you to watch it was like, like dinner fodder it was like ah uh, you know it's on 
Yeah, it's that it's kind of throwaway. Well, I do know what you mean by that, but I, I think that's I think that's a, a misconception. I might try and get you to watch a couple of episodes because the, the beauty of Next Generation as well is that they're all self-contained, they're all standalone episodes. I mean, there is like a an ongoing oh well, you know, the characters develop or whatever, but but each episode is its own little story. I'll I'll pick out a couple yeah, of good ones for you to watch because I think I think you'd enjoy it actually. Um, anyway, prediction. Oh, we're talking about cricket, aren't we? Yeah, prediction for this series. That's really hard. There's, you know, there's a bit of rain around as well. <laughs> True. Just challenging. I mean, it is, this is probably the most difficult prediction I've ever asked you to make because I just have absolutely no idea. I could see any any result I think is plausible here. Right. Look, I, yeah, I'm going to go England 3-0. Okay. Yeah. You don't, you don't fancy West Indies here? No. I, I, yeah, I think that's not unlikely because... Although I am excited by this young West Indies team, I think without Bravo and Hetmeyer, you do worry a bit about that batting lineup, especially with not having much, if any, match practice coming in. Yeah, and I think with the, you know, as we talked about, the strength of England's bowling attack, even if one or two break down with injuries, they're sort of, you know, they're all there. So, uh, you know, if they get going, then. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? Well, and but on the other hand, I mean, England's batting. Yes, it was good in South Africa, but that you know, who knows? That could prove to be a blip. Um, it's not exactly, especially without Root, it's not exactly swimming in experience either. So, and West Indies have a good bowling attack, so I wouldn't be stunned by you know another seventy-seven all out. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, England, so. I don't necessarily expect them all to go to five days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair. So, I, I, I'm going to go England still but I'm, I'm gonna go 2-1 i fancy west indies to to win a test i am excited about it. i'm yeah, really looking no. forward to it so yeah we're gonna go um there's a big screen on we uh, you know down at the kg5 which is guernsey's um home of cricket uh which has been showing football on but we should go down and watch a bit on the big screen you know put up a deck chair and and enjoy i'd be up for that count me in well depends if i'm watching next generation or <laughs> yeah. not but. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, saying so, well, we should probably uh, move on because we spent ages talking about that. But but as we said at the top of the show, we we have got some nostalgia to get to. Um, listeners who are with us throughout lockdown will know that we talked about. Um, some great series of the past. We talked about the Ashes 2005. We talked about uh, Australia and India 2001. And so both of those series involved one of the great teams of all time in that um, kind of Steve Waugh slash Ricky Ponting Australia team. They actually lost both of those series, but 
that's one of the things that made those series so great was that it involved, you know, an all-time great team being, you know, taken down. We then talked about Fire in Babylon and, you know, uh, looking at that uh, great West Indies team of the 1970s, 80s and early 90s. We said on the last episode that we were going to do a bit of a, a comparison and try and definitively say, give the definitive verdict on which team was better, which team is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I've been thinking about really this a lot. playing loosely with the word definitive. <laughs> uh, the official. I've been thinking about this a lot, Tone. Arguably too much. Like, first of all, just sort of defining those teams. I, the edges are blurred, aren't they? But I think we could start the West Indies team in, yeah, I've sort of said the late 70s, but say even from that 1976 um, win in England um, up until, yeah, the early 90s. I mean, 1995 is quite often seen as like the the passing of the baton um, from uh, West Indies to Australia when Australia won in the Caribbean. But, you know, potentially say the end of the 80s um, being when, when things started to shift um, and then Australia starting in 95 and uh going through until the retirements of McGrath and Warren in 2007. And it, it's quite a thought, isn't it? If those two teams had, had had been around at the same time and had ever met, like what a contest that would have been. I mean, that is properly like immovable objects, unstoppable force stuff, isn't it? Mm. Just the, the, yeah, the, that whole, I mean, it, yeah. I haven't really said anything in that sentence. <laughs> well, they've ex- expressed yeah, it, quite a I, lot. I, I, I'm just uh, picturing it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be explosive. It's a mouth-watering prospect, isn't it? I was thinking about, you know, like Warren bowling to Viv or McGrath to those, uh, you know, to those opening batsmen, Greenwich and Haynes. And then those West Indies fast bowlers, you know, Malcolm Marshall or Joel Garner charging in to bowl at Ponting and Steve Waugh and Adam Gilchrist. I mean, it's it's quite a thought. I mean, there was a, there's a, there is a little bit of crossover, isn't there? Because you know, I don't think Desmond Haynes and Gornad Greenwich retired till the early nineties, but but even then, it you know they were coming right to the end of their career, and the Australian guys were right at the beginning of theirs. So their their sort of pomps, their heydays, did not coincide. Like if they had ever played, I would I would have identified two kind of key jewels, two key contests, which would have been how the Aussie batsmen would have coped with those fast bowlers and how the West Indies middle order in particular would have coped with Shane Warne because that's arguably something they never quite had. Yes, there were brilliant spinners in the 80s, Bisham Bedi and Abdul Qadir and others, but there wasn't anyone quite like Warne. So that would have been a very interesting uh, kind of new dynamic. And equally, yeah, the, the Australian batsmen never had to deal with anything like that West Indies pace attack so yeah that would have been a a particularly fascinating aspect i'll tell you in a sec who i'm (laughs) what the definitive verdict is (laughs) which team was greater but first of all this is what you've been waiting for i did put together a a composite 11 so i've looked at the two teams and and picked one 11 it's obviously difficult to do because yeah where do you draw the line who who counts as being part of this team particularly with that west indies one because like do you count Curtly Ambrose and Courtney Walsh who came in at the end of the 80s? But really their best days weren't until the the 90s. So I haven't included them or, you know, I haven't considered them to be eligible for selection. So I really, I've just looked at the 80s West Indies team um, and the late 90s and, and early noughties Australia team. But anyway, this is what I've come up with. 
opening batsman, I've gone for Greenwich and Hayden. Greenwich and Hayden. With apologies to Desmond Haynes, who might well be listening. That'd be Desmond on the phone now, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Desmond? Okay. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, you you do you'd need a team of about seventeen, probably, I, which is probably harsh on some players you you might think would be like immediate castaways. But um, yeah, tough to argue. I think you know, obviously, like Desmond Haynes, when we spoke to him, you know, we would acknowledge that you know, as good a player as he was, and he he obviously believed he was. He, he sort of he was you know gracious enough to. Kind of admit that he was, he, you know, he was the supporting actor to Greenwich. So. He was the junior partner, and actually, I mean, yeah. he was a brilliant batsman, as we talked about at the time. Underrated in uh, in ODI cricket as well. I think he was the was he the leading ODI century maker at the time that he retired, um, and very kind of uh, flamboyant and exciting, attacking, exciting player to watch in, in that format. But actually, yeah, there isn't really much of an argument between him and Matthew Hayden when when you just look at their stats. Um, Haynes. 18 test centuries average of 42 Matthew Hayden 30 test centuries average of 50 so it's pretty clear cut but but then I suppose where this gets tricky is that you think like well Greenwich and Haynes had that understanding had that partnership um do you break that up um or do you go Hayden and Langer but I just don't think you can leave out Greenwich but obviously this is purely hope this isn't yeah. going to happen so in that I sense think, yeah. Well, yeah and I think that's a yeah that's a, a good point again um <laughs> but the you know and, and they would speak of the the you know the contribution of the partnership being mm. you know, a big part of why they were both kind of mainstays of the side and and why each was able to do you know was each to kind of you know together they were able to you know, set those foundations and, and play the part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, breaking that up, that's a, it's a big call to make. It is, but I'm not afraid to make the big calls, Tane. That's why I'm earning uh, eight figures <laughs> uh, doing this podcast. Um, okay, so Greenwich and Hayden at the top. Then, uh, middle order, I've, I've picked six batsmen. So I've got three, four, five, six. Ponting, Viv Richards, Steve Waugh, and Clive Lloyd. And I've, I've made Clive Lloyd the captain. Uh, so two Australians, two West Indies. So we're we're even Stevens so far. What do you think about that? Any, so any big that again? Ponting, Richards, Steve War, Clive Lloyd. It's that Clive Lloyd one is possibly the most contentious in that you could pick people like Mark War, Michael Clark, even Damian Martin. Um, you know, there's there's a few Australian guys who would who would have a case. But Lloyd, as we talked about when we discussed Fire in Babylon, actually did have a very impressive test record and just the captaincy as well. I, just, I, w- I want him in there as my captain over and above either Ponting or, or War or Viv Richards. Actually, <laughs> that middle order is, uh, is the four captains, isn't it? Yeah, I find it hard to disagree with that. Um, so then I've gone Adam Gilchrist. Oh, you need a bloody good captain to to manage the team, but also to manage the players in and around the squad, I guess. Yeah. If they're the sure. likes of... You've left out Desmond Haynes. Yeah. And he's not going to be happy. <laughs> he's still out there. Then this is uh, probably the, the most straightforward selection for me. I've gone Adam Gilchrist as the wicketkeeper. I suppose then another very straightforward selection. I've gone Shane Warne as the spinner. But this is very difficult, the three fast bowlers. What I've come up with, and this is tough, especially because, as I say, West Indies, because they were dominant for so long, there's there's a bit of a crossover of eras, like Fire and Babylon, Malcolm Marshall's barely in it, and certainly Ambrose and Walsh aren't. Um, but they are, certainly Marshall was, was definitely a part of that. 
team. So what I've gone with in the end is Marshall, Garner, McGrath. I mean that, yeah. Th- th- as you say, that's arguably the hardest selection that, that you'll make in the in you know <laughs> yeah. in the side. So I'm sweating. Uh, so uh, some of the names I've left out there: Andy Roberts, Michael Holding, Jason Gillespie. When yeah, possibly Ambrose and Walsh as well. I mean, I, if I were including Ambrose and Walsh, you know, if I were considering them eligible, then I'd probably squeeze Ambrose in ahead of Garner. Just about how, how much weight do you give though to you know you look at the players that helped establish, so let's talk with the West Indies, the players that helped establish that, you know, almost unbeatable aura and the, the reputation mm. on top, you know, as opposed to the players that followed them. So swanned in later well, on. Well, not, not so much, but you know, obviously that, that were, were kind of, you know, standing on their shoulders somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Is it tough to leave out holding? Yeah, so in in that case, then you'd you'd certainly leave out Ambrose and arguably even Malcolm Marshall, and and maybe pick Holding in his stead. But then a lot of people would say that Marshall's the best fast bowler of all time, so kind of difficult to leave him out on that basis. <laughs> um, and I I almost pick Holding, but Garner. We said last time I think Garner's probably the one I'd least like to face, and I do I do just like that 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 height and that well, Holding obviously had the height, but just that kind of power that he had. Um, and an unbelievable record as well. Uh, test average of 21, 259 I mean, I th- wickets, yeah. which is superior to any of the others. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I think I'd, any bowler of any height would terrify me. <laughs> like I'd be at the height. You'd have me at the height, really. It doesn't matter how accurate or fast. I mean, I mean looking at the stats, it's obviously we're kind of uh, splitting hairs here, but it, like Garner does have slightly superior stats because holding stats, 249 wickets, 20, average of 23.7, which is, you know, Pretty good. And just for the sake of completion, Andy Roberts, 202 wickets, average of 25.6. But as we said last time, you know, arguably the scariest just in terms of his demeanour, <laughs> if nothing else. And the fact that he hit so many people. But yeah, Malcolm Marshall, 376 wickets, average of 20.9. Not that it's all about stats, but, you know, that's certainly a factor. Well, what I was going to say is that almost what you really want is for these teams to come together in some so you merge the two squads and then they play uh, a sort of oversized intra-squad friendly as England would be doing with with sort of 16, 17 aside and you've got none of these issues that's true actually well what would you do like an A team and B team so this team against someone else a kind of second string side and see who you know who outperforms players from the A team or would you just mix them up mix them up I think yeah Yeah, interesting Um, I mean you could the second string team here would be like the second best team of all time, wouldn't it? So it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to to choose, but that's what I've come up with. Just to run through it again: Greenwich, Hayden, Ponting, Richard, Steve War, Lloyd, Gilchrist, Warren, Marshall, Garner, McGrath. And what that means is that there are six Aussies and five West Indians. But as we said before, when talking about the composite eleven, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not necessarily as simple as that to just say, well, Australia were better than because. Yeah. You could say, well, yeah, but Viv Richards was that much better. That it's, you know. it's tipped slightly, isn't it? Because Warren and Gilchrist are your kind of uh, sort of head mm-hmm. and shoulders above in terms of their mm-hmm. niche roles in the team. Their niche roles, but also again, you could say, well, they were so good and so kind of uh, unique 
that they that therefore they make Australia better. But then also, but then on the other hand, you could say, well, West Indies had that much more depth, didn't they? I mean, you could replace McGrath with Michael Holding, and it would be pretty much as yeah. good, wouldn't it? So Mag- McGrath turns his ankle in the warm up. Holding comes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so on that basis, it's kind of a pointless exercise what I've just done. But um, but but there it is. I don't know. I'm going to ask you for your pick, but I'll give you mine first. I think, well, first of all, I think, as I said last time, I think it's pretty clear which is the more, which was the more entertaining team. Well, entertaining is not necessarily the right word, but which was the the team that sparked the most joy in people. And that's West Indies. Yeah, it, it, they, they were definitely a more uh, joyful team. Uh, not that Australia didn't spark joy as well. Maybe this is sort of biased as an England fan, but... But, you know, West Indies will probably be remembered for longer on that basis, that they were a kind of historically important team and were so kind of, uh, yeah, exciting to watch and had those fast bowlers that, you know, got the hair standing up on the back of people's necks and got people out of their seats. So I think that's pretty clear. But in terms of which is better or which team would have won if they'd met, I am just about going to give it to the West Indies. And that could be that bias i'm talking about it could also be a bias or a kind of not nostalgia but uh romanticizing of the past because i didn't actually see them play live i've only seen the the clips and the footage um but just trying to look at the two teams kind of objectively trying to analyze them i don't think there's much to choose between the batting lineups and although australia have got worn which is a huge advantage those West Indies fast bowlers just just tip the scales a bit for me. I think that just makes them stand out because, as I say, they had the depth. When Australia lost McGrath, that was a huge blow. If West Indies lost one of their fast bowlers, someone else could come in. Just the sheer pace, the intimidation. Yeah, I, I think um, it, yeah, it's obviously very difficult to compare eras. Would the the batsmen that would have been facing, you know, they weren't. It, it wasn't like pace was a completely new thing was it and when the West Indians came along they just sort of took it maybe up a notch at mm. least but yeah with, with the batsmen that would, would have been facing the West Indies then you know fast forward to uh, to you know the, the great Australian era with those batsmen that the Australians would have been facing you know they're they're, they're slightly more attuned to to the the pace and that and that kind of hostility that that you, you needed other things to get around it so yeah that Australian attack had both Yes. Oh, well, and there's an argument as well that, um, you know, that as, as we talked about last time, that perhaps those West Indian fast bowlers seemed a lot scarier at the time because there just wasn't the protective equipment that there is now. We, we talked about Brian Close wandering out without a helmet and how utterly absurd that was. But if, if Brian Close had wandered out without a helmet to face Dale Stain or even, I don't know, someone like Andre Nell or, you know, a kind of <laughs> run of the mill fast bowler of Andre's on the phone. More. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, uh, of more recent times you know it would have been similarly insane and, and perhaps people would have been equally intimidated because they weren't wearing helmets they weren't wearing protective gear in the same way um that's that's a possibility but they they were so much better and so much scarier than other bowlers of their era that i, I think it's more than that and again you just look at their stats the stats are extraordinary over quite a long period of time and the team as well so looking at the team as a whole again it's mentioned in Fire and Babylon they didn't lose a series from 1980 to 1995 
Australia were beaten on those occasions by India and India um, by England in 2005. I th- you know, I think, I do think that just the record, the West Indies record was superior. So yeah, I'm going to give it to them. What, what do you think? Yeah. Some, at some point, someone's going to create a virtual recreation of that. I'd love to see yeah. that actually on a, on the holodeck. It's a Star Trek reference. Yeah. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd definitely go and watch that. I was going to say I'd, I'd want to play in that, but I actually really wouldn't. I, I would not hate That's a nightmare. It's gone from a dream to a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So we wake up on the holodeck and uh, Joel Garner's steaming in. That's not what I want. I, I'd probably step onto my wicket, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just fall on the sword. <laughs> Without a helmet, Just turn around and smash your wicket <laughs> to pieces. Your bat. Oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah, God, how did that happen? All right, well, uh, that's your lot for the World Cricket Show this time. Have you had fun, Tone? Yeah, it's been good. To get back in the same room, hasn't it? Yeah, been good to good to be back. Very atmospheric in here. Yeah, well, the lights seem to be dimming. <laughs> it seems to have been getting progressively dimmer throughout the uh, throughout the recording. I don't know what you're expecting to happen, but. Uh, I can still just about see for the time being. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great to be back. And, you know, we're obviously, we're back, we had a bit of a break uh, between episodes here, but we're, you know, back on the horse now, now that, now that cricket is back. Uh, we mentioned that we're, in theory, doing that commentary this weekend if uh, the weather uh, plays ball. It's possible this podcast will not be out <laughs> before then, but if, if it is, then uh, listeners should tune in. Tune in, it'll be worth it. What's it going to be? Is it going to be on the Guernsey Cricket um, social media. Yeah, great something. question. Yeah, the Guernsey Cricket Facebook page. In fact, it might be on YouTube, So, but just go to Guernsey Cricket on I Twitter. I mean, we'll probably tweet it out or something. Yeah, endlessly. Um, but as I say, there's a very good chance this podcast won't be out before then. Cause, there's a uh, very chance it rains as well at the uh, weekend. So. I'm working all day tomorrow and then it's my birthday on Friday. It's the start of my birthday fortnight on Friday. So um, strap in. We'll see. We'll see when when I get around to editing this. But um, but yeah, we're we're back into the swing of things. So yeah, which is exciting. We're, yeah, well, I, I wonder if we've had any new listeners today. If so, I wonder how far through they got through the Star Trek chat. But uh, yeah, because we were we were mentioned in the Cricketer magazine tone. You saw this? Yeah, you did. You sent it to me. I didn't get the magazine, but a, a listener sent it to us, made us aware. It was uh, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, great great exposure. Great to have. Great to have mentioned that. I mean, interesting review or interesting summary. <laughs> I was going to say a couple of issues. <laughs> well, I can read. I'll read it out yeah. first, and you can tell us your issues. I mean, it's it's really cool. So there, I, I guess it was a uh, an article about cricket podcasts, uh, and we are mentioned along with uh, several others. Uh, but the the kind of the, the description of the show uh, it says World Cricket Show, another weekly show that has been going a while. Could say that again. <laughs> <A bit of laughs> understatement. From cricket enthusiasts Adam Bayfield and Tony Kerr. I suspect this might be one of your issues. Uh, Tony Kerr, Kerr spelt K-E-R-R, which is wrong. Very wrong. Two guys, says the programme's publicity, whose school team got bowled out for 22 one week and 13 the next. I think we need to change that. Yeah, I mean, it worked well for a while, didn't it? But it's obviously paint the wrong impression now. Well, yeah, because they go on to say they chat about cricket in general, quite often amateur cricket, Recent episodes relate the hosts watching YouTube footage of old test matches. It's a bit like loitering in the corner of your cricket club bar after the thirds have just lost by nine wickets. Now, I don't want to seem ungrateful for the, <laughs> me- for the mention here, but I just thought that was a really strange description of the show. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's how listeners see us. 
Yeah. I don't think we quite often talk about amateur cricket. Also, it makes it sound like like we were in lockdown. Like, what, what else were we supposed to talk about? It's like, yeah, they mainly just talk about old YouTube yeah, footage. Just like, just reminiscing. <laughs> like this, if there was cricket to talk about, we'd have been talking about the cricket. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with being the thirds. No, true. I think, I, yeah, I've spent most of my years in the fourths, actually. So, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a compliment. Well, one thing I slightly forget is that I kind of assume that everyone who's not an international cricketer is equally hopeless at cricket as we are. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, true. Sort of thing that everyone listening to this relates to being bad at cricket, but obviously lots of people listen who are actually really good at cricket. And that, you know, that is kind of hard to yeah, wrap my head around. I think like. you've not quite processed how bad we were. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. <laughs> yeah you've kind of lulled yourself into a false sense of you or you've kind of your brain has kind of conditioned itself to protect you yes from the pain yeah that just kind of normalize yeah. how that kind of level um so yes that's that's possibly true but um but anyway <laughs> now we've picked it apart it was very nice to get a mention in the creator along with lots of other fine podcasts I basically listened to the same podcast I've, I started listening to in 2004, whatever it was, you know, 2005. I've, I've added a couple to that since. That's, <laughs> that's it. I don't know. There's no more room. But you know what? It's really weird it's because weird. we have been doing this for so long now. We've been doing this since 2008 and arguably before. Arguably longer. But it's actually, it really doesn't feel like that long ago that we'd ha- I'd have to explain to people what a podcast was whenever I mentioned this, which was not very often. Because it was kind of like weird secret thing that we did. Ham radio. But if it was, if it did come up, they'd be like, it just seemed like everyone was like, sorry, sorry, what is a podcast? But now everyone's got a podcast. Well, this is the thing. Who hasn't got a podcast? I'm, as a sort of, yeah, slightly, what's the word? Well, yeah, slight slight contrarian at times. I'm always inclined (laughs) to give up now. Now all these like Greg Jameses have muscled in. (laughs) Louis Theroux. I know, yeah. Not every man and his dog, though, has got 350 you know, back issues. That's true. So everyone, you can't buy history. Every, <laughs> everyone who started a podcast since 2008 is a poser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kind of see us now as like, uh, yeah, senior pros of podcasting. Yeah. So it's like the Connor, it's like the thing, well, I'm not, <laughs> thinking man's cricket podcast probably isn't the right expression. <laughs> that should be our publicity yeah. now. <laughs> But it's sort of like the, yeah, the kind of, it's the, the connoisseurs. It's the niche. It's the, it's the guys, the indie band who never made it. And are now, are still, yeah. You just keep revising down (laughs) on the fly. Just like, started as the Thinking Man's podcast. It's It's kind of, you know, it's like a a sort of weird, crappy little uh, indie thing that no one's heard of. It's the poor man's cricket podcast no, i like to think though that one day we'll get in like even we'll, we'll be doing this forever i should think yeah um but like maybe in like 10 20 years we'll you know you'll have about five kids by then you know we'll i'll have no hair yeah. uh, and we'll be like invited onto tms and it'll be like a mat it'll be like they'll make a film about it because it'll be it'll be such a sort of i don't know it'll yeah. be how do we respond do we that's my dream anyway yeah and then we pack it in after that <laughs> that's all we ever wanted or it'll be like facing yeah facing Joel Garner I'll just I'll retire or resign just as we go on air <laughs> the absolute fear of having to make a good and coherent point mm. will cause me to just unplug my mic and walk out um, alright Tone we should bring this to an end because we've really waffled on tonight but it's good to be back um, 
enjoy the cricket, everyone. Uh, we'll we'll be back soon to uh, to review the first test. In the meantime, you can find us on social media. You can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, do leave a review on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you listen to it. Uh, and that is the end. Stay in school, everyone. Schools are back now, aren't they? <laughs> enjoy your summer holidays, which are about to start. And, uh, and yeah, enjoy the cricket. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheerio. Bye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.